0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Wednesday, February the 17th, 2021. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day is probity which means an adherence to the highest principles and ideals, uprightness. All right, well, let's move along. Uh, Looks like the impeachment of President Trump was a no-go. However, seven Republicans did vote to impeach, and the backlash has been swift. Several have faced censorship in particular out of the seven. One from North Carolina, Senator Richard Burr, has received his orders. Can't even come into the state's Republican headquarters in Raleigh. Now many say, yeah, he's received his orders or they could be his marching orders. I think... uh, there may be an election coming up. I don't know, that's that's probably about two or three years, maybe maybe two years down the line for the, the state elections, the Senate, and Congress. So it may be his last hoorah. Many Republicans are calling for him to get out and get out now. They don't even want to wait that long. Now, I'm sure... He had to know that there would be some backlash from what he what he did. I mean, him voting to impeach the president, and I'm sure he, you know he hey he he's a grown man. He knows what was at state estate at state. You know what he knew what was coming down the pipe. I'm sure when he cast that vote, or when he thought he was going to cast that vote, and he knew what it was going to be. I'm sure he thought about all of this. So there's no need to cry a river for him. Hey. If it's in your mind, it's in your mind, you do what you do. All I can say is good luck and Godspeed there, buddy. Cause it looks like they are <laughs> they are calling for you to go quickly. They don't even want you in the state's headquarters. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. I, I do believe he's always been that, that one who's, uh, well, you know, there has been a handful of Republicans that haven't really been staunch allies of, you know, former President Trump. So that really wasn't a surprise to me that some of them would come out and vote for him to be impeached. And some were quite upset about the events of January the 6th. I mean, the backstory, if you will, is that they, those that, quote-unquote, stormed the capital, were there to send a message to certain lawmakers. Because as they saw it, their voices weren't being heard. So, hey, like I said, you had to knew it was coming. You had to know. So, good luck. Godspeed. Well, it also looks like school will be returning to in-person learning here in North Carolina. State Senate Bill 37 hasn't been approved yet, but it's likely to be approved once they work out all the wrinkles and they get the governor's approval. However, Wake County and several other counties here in North Carolina have already gone back to in-person learning, while Durham will hold an emergency board meeting on Thursday to lay out its plans for in-person learning also. Now, I'm wondering if they'll take a vote. We'll see how that goes. I'll keep you informed. Now, however, the state is still optimistic about the vaccination process and receiving vaccines. You know, as I told you earlier, they're pushing to vaccinate teachers, your pre-K teachers. That's your daycare workers in addition to the teachers, your school staff, i.e. your principals, bus drivers, and custodians, they will be eligible starting next week on February the 24th. Eligible. In this instance, it means they still have to stand in line behind the essential workers and the seniors 65 and older. Still not enough vaccines, but you have a full court press on to return the kids back to school. It is a must, or so you say. And it can be done safely. And of course, I'm still not buying it. Like I asked earlier, what's the rush? What's going on here? Why why are we in such a rush to send the kids back to school and, and the teachers also and the support staff? And you haven't vaccinated any of them. You haven't vaccinated any of them. You don't really, all you can do is say they, they're eligible starting next week. But in the same breath, you're also saying we're having a problem with receiving the vaccine. Now they're saying the weather. Well, coincidentally, we're supposed to be getting some sleet and freezing rain tomorrow, starting in the wee hours of the morning, around 12 or 1 or something like that. Now that's become a problem, not just here in North Carolina, but uh, uh, really across the United States. uh, The weather is horrible, and and I pray for those down in in Texas. Good Lord, they've been without power now, I believe, two to three days, and the temperatures, the temperatures, we're talking about some single digits, maybe even some minus single digits. Well, Let's get back to that. Like I said, I'm just trying to figure out why the rush to send them back to school. If you haven't vaccinated anyone and you don't know if you're going to receive enough vaccines. Like I said last week, the numbers are off, in my opinion. Hey, I'm not a math whiz, but one plus one always equals two. But when you don't have the one to add to it, it's... Still one, and which is what you, they're doing. They're still vaccinating the essential workers and the, elder, the seniors, 65 and over. Once again, that's understandable, but you want to send our most precious beings and you want to put the adults that are in charge of these precious beings in harm's way. For what reason? What's the real reason here? Time will tell, time will tell, time will tell. Well, let's move along. Uh, I read this article, and and, and I got to say it was quite interesting, to say the least. A former 58-year-old woman real estate agent from Florida who grew up in Venezuela, where her father was stationed for the United States Air Force, as she says she was exposed to all sorts of wildlife, Literally in a yard or in the wooded area behind her family home. She then goes on to say it helped her discover her love for nature and animals. Nothing wrong with that. She says as early as five years of age she had a fascination with snakes, even capturing a few. I believe a few of us have done that. You know, you look garden snakes. Who hasn't fooled around with them growing up? I mean, we all have. I know I I did a little bit. Still was cautious. I'm just not a fan of snakes. I'm sorry. Well, she left her job as a lucrative real estate agent in 2017 and decided to follow her passion and work for the South Florida Water Management District for its Python eradication program. Coincidentally, she was the first woman hired also into the program. Now she does what she wants. Her passion. She hunts and captures Burmese pythons that can grow up to 18 foot long. And she says it's very exciting. I can imagine. But exciting wouldn't be the word I would use. Terrifying. I gotta be honest with you, I would be terrified. There's no way I'll go out in the Florida Everglades and look for pythons and have to duck and dodge all the other wildlife. That's just me. To each his own. No judgment here. Hell, I salute you. Because me, myself, and I, there's no way. (laughs) No way in the world. Well, apparently the Burmese python has uh, greatly disrupted the Florida Everglades ecosystem. They prey on 24 species of mammals. I wonder, does that include humans? And 43 species of birds. And they also eat alligators. Okay. In fact, that's how she switched professions. She read an article in a newspaper that talked about a python exploding after eating a six-foot alligator. All right. They are... How, how, how did these pythons get here? I mean, they're not indigenous to the United States. But they are now. Because they get there by either they're let go, or they're an escape pet. I guess people get them as pets and uh, on the let-go-in, decide or quickly learn that maybe it wasn't a good idea to buy a python that can grow up to 18 feet. Hmm. You don't say. Well, this was discovered nearly two decades ago that they had this problem. And I got, you know, hey, like I said, she... Read an article about it and decided that was her passion now. She wanted to go and hunt and capture uh, pythons. I mean, I wonder what they do with these pythons. Do they kill them? Or do they I guess they put them in a, a, a wildlife preserve maybe? But how do you know they're not going to escape from that in return? Jesus, you made them, that that's their habitat now. Wow, that's, uh, like I said, that that was an interesting article to me. I, I mean, I've heard about it, but I never really, I guess, seen it up close and personal that people will leave their one profession to go into another profession to follow their passion. Like I said, to each his own, I, I, I salute her, but it just wouldn't be for, for me. I, I just wouldn't. I just can't imagine going out into the Everglades and purposely looking for Burmese pythons while having to duck and dodge the other wildlife that's in there. Of course, the alligators. And uh, from what I've heard by some people that are from Florida, down there in those Everglades, those swamp rats can grow pretty big. <laughs> There's no way, nah, nah. I salute you, ma'am. Good job. Kudos to you. Now, I I, I, uh, wanted to talk to you guys this morning about something I I read. And it got me to thinking. I mean, it really did. And it it really got me to thinking, is it really how much hurt will come about with this uh, Green New Deal? The conversion to, you know, your 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 solar powered and your windmills and and your, your getting rid of rid of the old, com, you know, the old cars. You know, everybody remember back in the day when we had those big Burks. Burks is what they call them, big Burks, big Burks, and yeah uh, you, you know, it was American steel. The, the The engine was oh man, the engine on the, on those things were huge. And yeah, when they did get old, you could <laughs> you could not only hear them coming down the the road, but you could smell them. Gas leaks everywhere. Well, what's happening now is General Motors in 14 years, that's 2035 by the way. So General Motors in 14 years says they will switch totally to electrical, battery-powered cars versus the old reliable internal combustion engines. Now, this, in, in one number, they said that this could lead to 50,000 general motor workers, maybe in one plant or what have you. Their jobs will become null and void, meaning that's it. Okay, so Now, the Greener workforce for zero emission vehicles, that's to clear up the, pop, the, the pollutants in the air, they're going from Pistons and fuel injections to battery packs and electrical motors. Now, President Biden wants to develop a U.S. standard and also develop a U.S. electrical vehicle supply chain to create, as he said, or his administration has said, one million auto industry jobs, new auto industry jobs. They want to do away with the old internal combustion engines now what's 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 something that 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 really doesn't surprise me but just to make you think you see many of these battery packs and electrical motor components now are built overseas along with also a lot of the petroleum parts so it would be a good idea a good good sticking point, a talking point to say hey, we can create this here. Now, along with this this new shift, union jobs could shift also. They'll go to lower pay. Automakers buy electrical parts from supply companies or from separate ventures to build the parts. So what's happening with that is you don't really need that huge workforce any longer. If you can just buy them, say you have have vendors, they build these parts here in the United States, as opposed to having them in a factory doing the work, you can get it from a, a, a separate entity. So you can cut your workforce also. Cut it, man, you can cut it in half or close to it. Now, out of all of this, like I said, the most vulnerable will be maybe 100,000 workers who build the transmission and engines for these combustible engines and for the gas and diesel vehicles. Now, what about the workers who are up in years or been there for years? Will they be allowed to attempt the trade switch? Or will they be let go because of the obvious they're too old or that plant could just shut down to consolidate to a smaller workforce workspace and your workforce is younger and you don't need as many people. So you can, you can reduce your overhead. I mean, you can, you can pay less as opposed to those guys who's been there and that's happening in every, I mean, it has happened and a lot in the job market here in the United States over the years, but this is this may very well be the last of that big workforce that we we were so accustomed to coming up. I can remember my uncle, who um, who's going on to glory now. When I got out of the Navy in ninety six, uh, and I, I came, my mother passed in nineteen ninety seven. I can remember remember we had a very interesting conversation. Now, apparently, he was, you know, like I said, he had been there a while. He was up in age. Hell, he had been there ever since I was born, probably before I was born. And I was born in in 1973. Now, we had this conversation 20-some-odd, maybe 30 years ago in 1997, that they had gave him an ultimatum. Not only him, they have gave many of them ultimatums, that you either take your pension retirement now, or if you stick around for a little while longer, you will get nothing but a last paycheck. And that's if you're lucky. Because we, as we all know, we all remember that that auto catastrophe years ago where the government had to come in and bail them out. A lot of people lost their jobs, didn't even get a last paycheck. They just closed the plan on them. So he was faced with that. And of course, he realized, hey, I'm no spring chicken. And I'm no big dummy either. So he took his pension and he bailed. Like I said, we had this conversation in 97. And lo and behold, several years later, it came down the pipe. Just like they told him. Gee, you better take your money and run. Because this ain't going to be around too much longer. And that is exactly what happened to him. Well, not to him, but to countless others that Hey, man, I mean, they had a job and they were trying to hold on to it. Hell, maybe they hadn't been there that long. They had no choice but to tough it out. Maybe they thought it would get better. But as we all know, it did not. It got worse, extremely worse. Now, getting back to this. Like I said, I mean. If, if they're going to switch over to this green deal, they won't need that big wor- workforce and they won't need that big workspace. So yeah, a lot of these plants are probably going to close down and that's just being realistic. They have to close down. So I think we're going to find ourselves right back in this spot of uh, what plants didn't close down during the the initial auto industry breakdown of early 2000? What were still left? they're on the brink of being done away with too. So we're going to have a lot of empty vacant buildings. That creates another problem like the old tobacco warehouses. So we're going to be faced with that in another 14 years, if not sooner. Now the United Auto Workers, UAW, we all know that symbol, union. And in a report from two years ago, quoted Ford and Volkswagen executives as saying the electrical vehicles will reduce the workforce by 30%. Now, what's hoped for and prayed for is that this administration with this green economy will generate work building electrical parts, building charging stations, hoping there will be job creations by wind and solar electricity generation. That would be nice, but how many of them are you going to generate? You say one million, but how many people are you going to lay off? And of those laid off, let's think about, like I said, those that have been there a while, they can't just, they're not spring chickens. They can't just jump around from job to job like the younger ones can. not I mean, they have more responsibilities. Hell, they probably got a mortgage, maybe kids in college. I mean, what about them? What's going to happen to them? By you saying that you're going to come up and create this new workforce and this new doable energy source and you want everybody on board. I'm just wondering how much thought you've given into these possible problems, not possible problems, actual problems that are going to arise in 14 years. That's not long. 2035 is not too far off, and especially the way things are going now. It's like every day, is the days are getting shorter and shorter. These these years are booming, moving. They're booming and moving, and they're not playing. So in 14 years, we could have another financial dilemma on our hand. In addition to this COVID, I hate to beat a dead horse, but like I said earlier, there's an economic report that goes... 15, 20, 25 years and it's still showing the effects of COVID. So our kids and their kids will feel this along with COVID also. Now, what they're also saying is that, however, less than 2% of the U.S. new car sales are electrical, but the pressure is on and has been ramped up by this new administration to abandon that good old, reliable, combustible engine. Those big Burricks, like they used to say, deuce in a quarter. Well, nobody's driving a deuce in a quarter anymore, but you get the idea. Those were the good old days. Remember those cars? Big bucket seats. When you floored it, the whole front end came up. In fact, California will ban the sales of these vehicles by 2035 also. 2035 is the year that they're planning to stop all of it. So what does that mean? 2035, they're, they're planning to do away with it. They're going to ban the sales. That means that it's not, nothing, the old is going to be done away with and this is the Green New Deal is coming to the forefront. Now the new administration, like I said, pledges to build a a half million charging stations and convert federal vehicles to battery power also. Hmm. What is this what 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 what, what does this mean for you and I? I mean I'm not in the auto industry. And I and I, I mean I drive a uh I guess you would call it one of these old combustible engines. Yeah, cuz I, I I don't have a green car. I drive an old truck. Gas guzzler. Call my baby May Black, I do. I do. Me and old May Black, we go everywhere. She's taken me many a great places. Now, hopefully I won't still have her in 2035. <laughs> But what I'm, I'm questioning, like I said, is with the demise of the, the auto industry and the use of petroleum and what have you, and now the push for the Green Deal, how many jobs are actually going to be lost? How many people's lives are actually going to be affected? And I certainly understand the, the idea of the pollutants in the air. There's no way I could deny that. But to do away with an industry and try to introduce a new industry, and I'm wondering, you say you're going to create one million new jobs. Or what about the old jobs? What are we going to do about those and those people? These are lives. Like I said, are they going to be allowed to um, to convert over? And if they are allowed to convert over, they now have the they now have competition. COVID has us at a high unemployment rate. How are these two groups going to make it? Because now, I mean, one million jobs, or what have you. That's not a lot of jobs when you're laying off an entire workforce, possibly, or half of a a workforce that is older. And now you're going to pit them against those that have lost their jobs due to COVID and the economic fallout from COVID. Honestly, they're saying it's going to be not years, but decades down the line, maybe. You're still going to be fighting, trying to get from out, out from under this. So now you have these two groups pitted against each other. That's to say they're going to be pitted against each other because it's survival of the fittest. When you don't have income coming in or you don't have a job, you're out there looking for it. And if you have a family jokingly i say this but realistically you can't go home to big mama and tell her i don't have a job i don't have any income coming in i don't know how we're going to eat i don't know where we're going to stay i don't know how we're going to keep the lights on i don't know how we're going to keep clothes on the kids back you can't go home to big mama and tell her that and tell her "Oh, COVID did it uh oh, this new administration they big mama ain't gonna to want to hear that and i'm just gonna be honest with you and i certainly don't mean to be derogatory but hey So maybe, just maybe, and I've said this, that I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but COVID has pushed a lot of things for that were possibly years down the line. And by COVID pushing, what I mean by that is COVID has, let's be honest, artificial intelligence, AI, with the the way the the marketing strategy is now for this contactless way of doing um, business. And now you have the Green Deal also. COVID has has really ramped things up. You know, one of the great motivational speakers I've ever heard, uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Les Brown, I don't know how many, many of you know him, it said, now we're we're in a, a society that has gone from brick and mortar to click and order. How true is that? We're now in a society where you can do virtually any and everything from your home, sitting in your living room, sitting on the couch, laying in the bed, playing with your phone. You don't even need a computer. You don't even need an iPad. You can do so much from your phone because of COVID. And now you have the Green Deal being pushed forward. Maybe it's needed. And I think it is needed. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having an alternative way of doing stuff or doing things. But like I said, how many people are just going to be uh, left out? There's an entire workforce that is going to be done away with? I mean, there's only so many of them you can hire. You taught this as hey, I'm going to create one, 1 million or 100 million jobs, but how fast is that going to happen? And who all is going to be included in that? You, you may say a willingness to convert over or start something new. Yeah, I get that, but let's this, this, this take into account, let's say a guy who's 50 something years old or, or, or what have you, that has kids in college, has a mortgage, still has to keep the lights on, still has to provide food for his family. And you're going to tell him that at 50 something or 60 something years old, right when he's getting ready to retire, that it's a wrap. You're not getting anything because even though they taunt the numbers that the auto industry is doing well, they took a big hit. I think I'm almost sure that they took a big hit and how many pensions and retirement plans and 401ks were lost during that time. Did they rebound that quickly? I think not. I don't, I I know not, I know better. I had Hey, I have more common sense than that. So I I would say to this administration and, and to, uh, those in the industry, man, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, it, it, it's a, like I said before with, with, with COVID, it's a hard pill to swallow and a hard bed to lay in. And COVID has pushed a lot of things forward that, like I said, were, were years off. And now this has come to the forefront. I'm sure this uh, article or or what have you was written I don't want to say as a, as a a snub to the president and, and his administration, but like I said, this is one of the talking points he had. So you knew what was coming down the pipe from him. He let you know from day one, hey, this is what I want to do. And he's ramping it up now. Maybe he has to. A lot of people say, hey, we can be finally become. We can finally become um free of 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 foreign oil. Well, yeah, that's a good one. We can. But we have oil here also. But that, that's destroying the environment. Don't want to do that. Once again, understandable, I guess. I, I mean, hey, just something to think about. I mean, honestly, just something to think about. I mean, hey, I, like I said, I found that to be uh, eye-opening also, it really made me think. And, I, and to be honest with you, I really hadn't thought about all of this before. I, when I heard it, I thought, oh, great, here's another politician running his mouth. It'll never happen, but it looks like it's going to happen. Like I said, hey, by 2035, 2035 is the magic year that all of our old cards and memories Old, ga- old gas guzzlers, oil leakers, antifreeze leakers. <laughs> you know, you go through a, a, a parking lot, all you see is oil spots and stains and antifreeze that has leaked out. They're saying, hey, this would be better for the environment. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. But at what cost? And are we ready to really pay that cost? You know, when you... You drop one industry and pick up another, you're almost bound all the time to leave some people behind. Can we afford that now? And we're in the midst of this pandemic. Can we really afford that? We we already have record number unemployment rates because of COVID. And now this. Time will tell. All I can tell you, time will tell. Hey, we'll see what happens. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response message. And I would love to hear your voice. So, offer feedback. You know, like I always say, hey, I'm pretty thick skinned, I'm not gonna gonna bite, not physically anyway, verbally, I may bite back. You can make monetary contributions, continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. This is Stephen Cornegay for This Is Just A Thought. Amen.